1: What's up? Welcome back to SpinRate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice, and yes, we're talking about your Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, coming off yet another series win, two out of three in Houston. You would take that seven days a week, no matter how Sunday's game ended. It is Sunday, which means I am joined by the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays reporter, writer, journalist, extraordinaire. She covers the Toronto Blue Jays. She joins us from beautiful downtown Houston, Caitlin McGrath. Caitlin, how are you?
2: I'm good. I'm good. How are you?
1: I am uh, terrific. Very old, but good. Busy, you know, busy days. Busy days, but it's, you know, it's baseball season and you can't complain. You can't complain about winning two out of three. Uh, You know, I said, I think I was on a radio hit today and I said, if you win two out of three games in two out of three series, like you're doing pretty good. And again, the Blue Jays are, you know, they, they kind of look the part. In in a lot of ways that they are winning these games beating good teams because this is such a difficult part of the the schedule but and doing it without being in you know what I would class as fifth gear so like it's obviously there's still there's so much room for improvement but at the same time win the game you know win the game win the series and 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 move on to the next one and I feel like um, as a Blue Jays fan and the club themselves are probably pretty happy even though again they you don't want to lose any of them but but they probably feel pretty good after taking two out of three from Houston.
2: Yeah, I think that's like my biggest takeaway from not just this series, although this series it it really um demonstrated it, but just like this entire season. They've been winning close games. They've been winning games because of their pitching and defense, which is really great because we thought that this was going to be a team that was going to win on their offense. And they probably will eventually become a team that is winning mostly because of their offense. But it's really encouraging to see them um, be able to win these tight games when maybe they're not getting contributions from up and down the lineup. They're getting the key hits when they need them, and they're winning the games, and they're having uh, good performances from their starting pitchers, from their bullpen, from their defense for the most part. And so then when you think as long as they keep doing that or even if there's like some regression with the bullpen or there's some, you know, some games where they just kind of flop it around a little bit and the defense doesn't look so good. But maybe by that time, the offense is back firing on all cylinders and then they don't have to worry so much because they are scoring seven or eight runs a game and they're doing that far more often and they're winning those games. And so I think that this month, this two weeks have felt a little bit high stress because they're winning these close games. Um, And I sort of understand why people are watching this and being stressed out. But I almost see it as kind of encouraging that they're coming out and winning these tough games against these good teams, like you say, when they are not actually even playing like the sort of team that they are designed to play like. Like they're, they're a team that is designed to hit a lot of runs and score a lot of runs and they're not doing that, and they're still winning. And so, once they kind of round into that form, you think they would, you know, do do even better. And they're already doing pretty well.
1: No, they are they are doing pretty well. And you you have uh, uh, hit the nail on the head. I agree 100 that that you know this weekend was marked by a lot of timely hitting, which is which is nice. And and you can't ever bet on. Uh, and it's something that, given the state of the offense, you know, feels like a nice little bonus right? Because they do have some kind of blank spots at times in the lineup, kind of uh, sprinkled throughout the lineup, which is something maybe we can talk about real quick. Um, but before we do talk about that or anything else, I of course, I want to make sure that everyone who's listening to this has subscribed to The Athletic. If you haven't, now's the time to go to athletic.com slash spinrate and subscribe. They'll give you a tidy deal and that you will let them know that we sent you, which is good, which keeps us in the business of creating podcasting content. So, you want to read what Caitlin had to say about this weekend, about some of the the breakout stars like world beater Zach Collins and the like, uh, you can go over to theathletic.com slash spinrate. And while you're there or while you're in the mood for, for doing housekeeping, you can subscribe to the podcast. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you do it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Overcast, whatever. Podbean. I always throw that one at the end. Uh, you can subscribe and if you have the option you can give us a rating or a review which is so lovely to take the time and say hey these these folks are doing some good stuff because you can get Kate and when you subscribe you get the show as soon as it's done as soon as it's ready as soon as producer cam throws it into the tube that gives it to the internet and you can get one a week me and Caitlin and one a week one a week me and Ricky Romero talking about your Toronto Blue Jays and we're having a good time doing each and every one of these spin rate podcasts so with that let's talk about the offense I think it's worth talking about the offense so we've mentioned we've said it kind of a couple times about like hey they're not really firing on all cylinders and and I don't know that there's you know one culprit um you know we saw Lourdes Gurriel hit a home run today kind of nice to see him, maybe him kind of dragging him his his way back into uh, you know Back to what we would expect from him. A guy who's a streaky hitter, so it's it's going to kind of come and go at times. Um, again, we we could talk a little bit about the Zach Collins. Kind of up, you know, out of nowhere, free money party that he's just throwing and just giving everybody, you know, good vibes and this big left-handed beast and just fits right in. But maybe let's start with Bo So Bo is, of course, not having off to a hot start, looking a little bit exposed, having a bit of a hard time um, catching with velocity. Uh, number one, Caitlin, maybe I ask you, is it maybe time to give to move Bobichet in the lineup, or is that too of a, too early and too much of a overreaction? If you were going to start messing with the lineup from a team that is winning games,
2: well, I wouldn't necessarily say to move Bichette in the lineup only because of the way he's hitting. But I like Vlad hitting better in the two hole, regardless. Mm. Like I would have liked to see them try that from the start of the season. And I know it's not how they lined them up last year, but um, I kind of like the idea. And I think, and you probably know you read about this or you kind of think about this more, but it's somewhat more like modern lineup construction thinking, putting your best hitter in the two spot, right. Because of the way Mm -hmm. that, you know, they're not going to come up often with two outs, obviously. Um, and you kind of minimize those situations. And so I kind of like the idea of putting Vlad there. Um, it also gets him over a course of the year more at bats. Um, mm-hmm. And you want to get him more at bats or as many as you can get. Um, and if you just flipped, you know, if you just flipped him and Bo, I think I think that could be interesting. I still, when Toscar comes back, I still like hitting him hitting fourth. Um, but, you know, I think that, So to answer your question, like, I don't know that I would do it necessarily just because of the way that Bo is performing right now. And I'm I'm not particularly, like, concerned um, about how he is performing. It's so early on. um, We're still just talking about, like, two weeks of a season here. Mm -hmm. And it – was a season where there was a shortened spring and just not getting as many at bats and all that kind of stuff. And so I don't think there's any cause for alarm, but I also don't think it's a bad idea to like swap the lineup. Cause I think it could be like slightly more optimal, even though I know with like lineups, like the difference between like the most optimized lineup and like the absolute worst lineup you could do is like very minuscule. Like, it, you know, over, no, the course, right. over the course of a year, like it maybe would result in like, I don't know, a small, a small, uptick in a run or like not even half a run or I don't even know what it'll be. But I just know that like it's something that people talk about a lot. But then when you think about it, you're like, it's you could just do the most wacky lineup and this team would still probably score runs.
1: No, I I think you have stated that almost precisely, which is worrying about the lineup is not always the best use of any of our time. And it's you start to get into the thing where and I think I saw somebody might have been Stoughton, kind of refer to it online which is like it's probably that vlad likes hitting third best yeah right? and 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 while if you the blue jays seems to have gotten a lot of buy-in in terms of doing weird wacky nerdy stuff right well we, as we've seen them go with crazy with the shifts and the four-man outfield but at the same time if some tall forehead comes in is like hey vlad we want you to hit second because statistically you'll get more at bats and having you and uh, and Springer back-to-back kind of gives the Jays a slightly increased chance of scoring runs. you would be like, mm, I'm a number three hitter. That's where I hit. And that will probably be the end of the conversation. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, again, I like, if if I had my way, I would hit Vlad second or fourth, but I do like, you know, second more so because as you said, A, you get him more at-bats and B, he comes up in the first inning, which is a good way to put the fear of God into the opposing pitcher. So, yeah. uh I, and I think that uh, I agree again that, it's too, no one, I don't think anyone should worry about Boguchet, worry about Boguchet's ability to be a big league hitter. That's what he is and that's what he's done. Uh, I think it's just a matter of if you want to shake things up, if you want to give him, you know, wh- whatever it might be. So that's part of the manager's job like hey do you think that he would benefit from having taking a bit of a breather not hitting in the in that spot you know uh, hitting maybe hit somewhere else where maybe they pitch him a little bit the idea of him being pitched a little bit differently although i don't put a ton of stock into that i think they get pitched the way they get pitched and who's on who's up before and after is less vital than just you know how they are going to handle the way that they're being pitched and again we're seeing a lot of um a lot of fastballs for Bobochet right now. He's striking out, you know, you know quite a bit uh, for him. So not not all smooth sailing, but I think in the end, uh, it's it's far too. There's no no reason to worry. We'll be right back with more spin rate. But first, check this out. On the other side of the the double play, maybe not reason for worry, but how about um, Santiago Espinal, who mm-hmm. is definitely playing himself into as close to a full time role as as anyone's going to get in 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 that Blue Jays infield? Um, really looking, you know, looking the part and talking about the, all the weight that he gained or the muscle that he added and, and hitting the ball harder and hit hit a home run. Did he hit two home runs this weekend and and making mm-hmm. great plays in the defense? Like just. Outstanding, outstanding turnaround, and just definitely the kind of guy who seems like he's gone out and stolen, not stolen a job, but claimed a job. And he's like, I'm the second base, but everything else can, we'll figure out everything else from here.
2: Yeah, and he's almost looked more comfortable at second base than he did at third last year. I mean, I think he looked great at third as well, but he's looked really good defensively to start the year. Um, I don't know if it's just the plays that he's made or he's making them look flashier or whatever he's and the Blue Jays have I have to say like I've been really not just impressed with their defense but actually really entertained <laughs> like you know they have they've um not just like I think it's that like satisfaction of like when they make a catch and they are just in the exact spot that they should be so like shout out to like Louis Rivera and all the guys uh, at the Blue Jays that are like positioning them because they have noticeably been in the right spot a lot of the times. Now, of course, they've gotten beaten on the shift a few times. Um, that happened on Friday with Espinal actually like making that kind of diving catch, I think, on Alvarez, and then Louis, uh, and then Yuli Gurriel came up right after, and like. They played him in the shift and he just like squeaked in like easy grounder by, which of course scored more runs for Ross Stripling. I remember asking Ross Stripling after it and he's like, yeah, I really also wish he was, <laughs> cause I asked him about the diving catch and Ross Stripling was like, hmm. yeah, that was great. And I also wish he was like over a little bit on that Yuli uh, Gurial ground ball cause he would have got that too. But anyway, um, but back to, um, Santiago Gasmanola. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, you know, the defense has been really great, but I guess, also that's not inc- not really surprising cuz he was a good defender last year he's a plus defender for this team that's kind of who he has been um or maybe like when he was cu- coming up in the minor leagues like he was kind of hit but he wasn't hitting for power and I think he got noticed more for like the versatility and when you looked at him initially even last year it's like how does he fit on this team well he can be in a utility guy he can play all over and like he can do these things um and you know of course credit to him that he went away in the offseason and the team said add some weight you know get stronger and he did exactly that and he's you know put on um some weight he's put on some muscle it's noticeable he's hitting the ball harder um he just looks you know really comfortable out there and I wonder if like some of that can just be like riding that momentum too. And you make a really good defensive play and then you can end up making a really good offensive play. You're just feeling really good all around. But um, yeah, I know he's been really, he's been a really good story, I guess, to start the year. Um, and he's, um, he's got that, like you'll probably maybe know what I'm talking about, but there's a certain type of player that, Toronto fans especially just go crazy for and he is exactly that type of player if you kind of know what I mean I mean like it's kind of like the um Ryan Goins type of player as well um they just like really endear themselves to Toronto I think Toronto's a fan base that especially gravitates towards like underdog type players maybe. And Santiago Asano kind of fits that bill a little bit. Like you said, kind of like playing his way, nothing handed to him, earning that job. Um, And then, you know, you pair it with, I think the flashy defense, which I think also makes guys stand out. And he, you know, he strikes me as this is someone that has really endeared himself to this fan base fairly, fairly quickly.
1: He has, he's almost like a human, like a mortal version of John McDonald. Obviously, Blue Jays yeah, fans love John that McDonald, type of player too, who who played you know absolutely spectacular defense and just played the living hell at a shortstop and 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 was a lovely underdog story because he couldn't hit right. But then you know the Blue Jays just had a long you know, every time they especially those teams were that were bad and they would try to we got upgraded shortstop and the next thing you know it's John McDonald's job at the end of the year and just making making those crazy plays and. Uh, I always remember like the Blue Jays sort of helped John McDonald out a little bit. They kind of kept him around to make sure that he got his 10 years and, which is always nice to see. I I think it's uh that's like a real thing for them, but, but yeah, it's been all been great. He, he currently ranks, uh, as a tied for the best, uh, second baseman in terms of outs above average in, in baseball, uh, as well as with three, uh, runs saved, uh, by the DRS in like just 107 innings. So three runs saved in 107 innings is pretty good. And, um, and it's and it's anything you get from him at the at the plate is is a nice bonus. We had a great weekend, uh, thanks you know in no small part to to whatever that's called Enron Field, Minute Maid Park. What do they call these days? The one in Houston,
2: Minute Maid Park.
1: It is still Minute Maid, okay. But uh, yeah, good for him stealing a job. Good for him to to really lock that down. And uh, to your point, just the, the 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 solidification of Blue Jays defense, where now they've got two extremely good defensive players like well above average defensive players because can I take a second and talk about Matt Chapman's arm oh yes <laughs> it's unreal like I can't even believe it he he made a, not even a throwing error like it was uh he was on the run in in the shift and threw across his body and kind of brought the throw was up the line and I was so like personally offended that he made like an in, imperfect throw because everything else <laughs> his arm action is like feels really short you know what I mean because he's he plays third base so it just, it it doesn't look like a lot and it just like shoots out of his body. Like it's been fired out of a cannon and it, and it looks like if Vlad Guerrero did not catch it, it would kill him. Like every (laughs) single pitch, every single throw across a diamond would, would bore through his chest and out the back. It is
2: crazy. Can I, how good he is. Can I share something? Yes. So I obviously have noticed his arm. Um, and I well, well, two things like the the thing that is really um that you notice about Matt Chapman I guess is that after games um he has like a care regime for his arm shoulder so like a lot of times after starts you'll see pitchers they have like ice packs and then there are shoulders are all kind of like taped up as their arms are like recovering from um the game and throwing so many balls so hard. I don't know that I've seen a position player do that as often as Matt Chapman. Like he ices his arm the way that like pitchers ice their arms after games. Uh he's obviously just been doing it like and it's part of his uh post game like routine, but It's interesting because I don't think I've seen many position players do that. And I think that just speaks to how hard he throws the ball across the field. And also I was sitting in the dugout and I was talking about this actually with the Blue Jays PR guy or one of their PR guys. And we asked um, one of the pitchers who was walking by, I think it was Ross Stripling. We asked like, how hard do you think Matt Chapman like throws it across the field to Vlad? And he kind of guessed like mid eighties, which I don't know.
1: That's on the low side. He yeah, throws he, I would say he throws way harder than like that. Like you think when like
2: he, hits nineties, maybe
1: easy. Easy yeah. ninety. I would say easy ninety. Like he can I mean Statcast could tell if we had Mike uh, Petrillo on, he could probably get pull that up on. I don't know yeah, about probably. public information, but uh, I would say he can easily like some of his 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 real like quick release pegs across the diamond on un- Easy 90. Like, I don't yeah. think there's any doubt at all.
2: I think I read in another piece that was done um, at The Athletic uh, that to get Vlad ready for Matt Chapman, the Blue Jays, like, coaches used a high-velocity pitch machine and fired <laughs> <laughs> fired those at Vlad so that he could get prepared for catching what is probably, like, catching a... Like, catchy to, like, as you say, a mid 80, 80, to 90 mile an hour ball coming at I'm like,
1: <laughs> it would be scary. Like it, I, I, we've talk, I, we can move on, but there's one thing that when you see people say like, I could get a hit off a big leaguer. And then I, I was, I was talking, talking about this with my daughter actually about the sound that it makes. And she didn't understand. And I found a video of somebody throwing a bullpen and it, and it just come, it was actually, it was, um, what's that, that guy, King of Juco, the, uh, he's on TikTok and stuff and he goes and he was hitting against, you know, Trevor Bauer and then some other, some of this guy that throws that throws in the like 98, 99 for the Rangers and the sound of it, like the sound of the the hiss, my daughter freaked out. And I was like, (laughs) it's an unreal sound. Like it is, there's no other way to, to describe it. Like there's no sound that's like it. It sounds menacing. And that I, I, can imagine what Ross Tripling hears when Matt Chapman's like firing it behind <laughs> his head at 80 to 90 mile an hour uh it would be scary but uh the good thing is most of the time right in the chest so you you do that self-preservation and uh and you and you make that play yeah speaking of good throws Lourdes Gurriel ever I saw on Twitter everyone was talking about it was like the full Gurriel where it was like full adventure circus music <laughs> playing in the outfield but then the arm comes and saves the day bless bless Lourdes Guriel. Uh, I have I have come to enjoy him for what he is, Um, and and it's uh, never a dull moment. Lord is out there, especially in that goofy outfield left.
2: I also like it's funny that we are like. What two, three years into the Lourdes Gurriel in the outf- outfield experience, and guys keep running on him. I mean, like, you think that it's out there by now, like, that he has a good arm, he's accurate. And, like, I think also, like, it helped in that situation that Matt Chapman's now playing third because he's obviously, like, very, you know, a skilled third baseman. So, getting that tag quickly, like, it all came together really rather well. And I think Lourdes probably benefits from having Matt Chapman there in that on that play in particular. But <laughs> Yeah, like he <laughs> he hasn't had many of those. That was like the the first one where he first one or maybe there's been another, but first one you really noticed the arm again. Um, mm-hmm. But he had a, he had a good weekend. He was having fun with his brother. His brother got uh, the gold glove award. Yeah, um, that was a great weekend. moment
1: when he ran over it. Yeah, he, he really, like photobombed l- it. Yeah, yeah. Lourdes Curiel Julian ran over and threw his arm around his brother as he was being presented with his gold glove, which was really nice. Uh, one thing, other thing, I would say is and and and. I don't think that there's been a lot of reason to complain about Beau Vichette's defense, but I don't think that, <laughs> with all due respect, that Beau does, Beau does not benefit from having, having um, uh, Matt Chapman beside him because I saw Beau make some really nice throws, right, where he where he was kind of, you know, took some, took some pretty straightforward balls but, like, really fired them across the diamond and, like, same sort of, like, Matt Chapman on a rope. But the amount of effort... Compared to like what Chapman does where Chapman is, is again, it's so short and it, it just seems like it's just kind of <laughs> out of nowhere where Bo was like kind of like a full send sort of throw. Um But again, I don't mean to, to be critical of, of Bo, Bo Bichette's defense. I think that um it's, well, there's opportunity to be critical of Bo Bichette's defense, but today's not the time. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors.
3: And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream TV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it
0: Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream TV over the Internet now.
3: Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream TV without a satellite dish. Visit DirectTV.com. High-speed Internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply.
1: Now, one thing we did talk about, and, and maybe we can talk real quick about, uh, while the, the starters, um, have been good, Kikuchi was not, uh, not great. Again, battling his command a little bit, but, uh, you mentioned how the Blue Jays have been playing so many close games, and that has meant that we've seen a lot of Jordan Romano kind of got burned a little bit today. Obviously came in. Blue Jays were able to push a run across in the 10th inning. Um, but then he was, he allowed the game-winning home run, walk-off home run to, uh, what's his name? Jonathan Pena. Um, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy, are you are you wary? Uh, are you? Is there any concern about the way that Jordan Romano is pitching? I mean, he he, I think he set some of those concerns aside. He really, you know, got some, got those strikeouts after he kind of went a couple outings for that one. Um, I just feel like I, I, I will let, let you go first. I'd love to hear what you think about about what happened with Romano today, and if you or if there's any kind of wobble in in how in his performance this uh, this season so far.
2: I would say for the most part, I'm not worried. And like you said, there were like those encouraging signs on, was it Friday or Saturday? Friday, I guess. Um, yeah, Cause, cause he, he did yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Friday he had three strikeouts, I think. Um, and his velocity was back like 97, 98. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of like to see that for sure. Um, I think like locating his fastballs, probably still something that he's got to work on. I think like, looking at it, like, it looks like last year he got it up a little bit more. And I did notice that, like, on some of those strikeouts, I think even the last, like, the game-ending strikeout, he got his fastball up, um, and it really fooled, uh, I think it was Maldonado. um, And so, like, you're seeing that, and so that's certainly encouraging. I think, like, in general, like, I have been impressed with the way the bullpen has pitched, but looking at the numbers, like, they also have allowed a lot of hard hits, Um, and so you always have to sort of just like be a little, uh, you question the results, I guess, a little bit, just when you're seeing like a lot of those balls be hit quite hard. And I still looked and like. You know, they, a lot of them have ERAs starting with one. Jordan Romano was one of those guys that had an ERA starting with one. Um, and now it's not, but mm. even when you look at the expected ERAs, like they're all pretty respectable too. Like, it's not like anyone has like a one ERA, uh, and they're expected as like seven. Um, so it, you know, I think that there's probably, you know, it's interesting because like on the one hand, you have Jordan Romano who, basically because of what he did last year, he kind of came into the season almost like on track to like hit this kind of amazing franchise record. And that put a lot of attention on him. And then you've also got them playing all these games, these close games. So he's in every other game. And so I think every other pitcher we've kind of been able to say like, okay, well, he's probably still, like, adjusting, and he's probably still, like, getting his velocity, he's still getting his command, and, like, we're not seeing them as much. Whereas I feel like Jordan has almost been, like, so exposed early on in these two weeks. I mean, he already has eight saves and one blown save. Like, he would have got nine today already, and that's well leading the league. Eight is still leading the league. So, you know, I think it's almost like one of these things where it's like, we just have had so many opportunity to look at every little thing that Jordan Romano has done because he's pitched so often early on that -hmm. it's like, okay, if the velocity is like down one day, everyone's like, well, why is the velocity down? And like, you know, or he's not locating one pitch and it's like, you know, relatively the sample size is still small. And so I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm worried. I mean, I'm not worried. Um, But he, you know, I know it's kind of, Cliché to say this, but, like, he was probably due for something like this to happen. I mean, he had 31 in a row. And I know some closers, you know, like, I think there's longer consecutive save streaks out there. Certainly happens. But, I mean, we're talking about a guy that, like, had 31 in a row basically to start his career as a closer. You know, he's only got, like, a handful more saves Um, before that streak started. So this is still a guy that's, like, adjusting to that role. I know he looks like a natural at it, but there's going to be some bumps. There's going to be some ups and downs. And so, really, this is the first time that the bullpen um, has, like – has cost the Blue Jays a game. And I hesitate to even use that because as you say, like Kikuchi didn't have a great start and yes, the offense came back, but like, you know, a lot of other things, the defense wasn't very sharp today. There was a lot of misplays in the field. So I hesitate to even sort of pin this one on the bullpen, even though like when it happens the way it happens, sometimes you say, well, it's like Jordan's blown safe, but you know, it's, it's, it was a game where I didn't think overall, like anyone was quite that sharp. Um, even though they did score a lot of runs, they scored more runs in this game that they had in the previous two, but that's what happens.
1: So, so I, I, I think I, I definitely would agree that, that he, we've seen him a lot and it becomes that much easier to kind of nitpick a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I just looked up, Eno Seris, of course, who's the uh, here of the athletic, he has his uh, stuff plus uh, numbers and location plus. So it's a, it's an index number to 100. So where 100 is average. And, uh, it kind of weighs the movement and, and kind of nastiness of your of your pitches, and that's what is goes into that stuff number. So at stuff plus, uh, Jordan Romano is well above average at one fourteen and a half. So wait, so they one fifteen? This I'm not sure when this uh, spreadsheet was last updated, but his uh, location number is actually ninety one. So mm-hmm. like you know, below definitely below average, and I think that we saw that sort of the the and a manifestation of that today in particular and i i think I'm, i think it was joe Siddle uh, you know earlier showed him um uh, being wild and almost wild in the strike zone which is can be a death sentence at times because if the catcher set up away and the target is away and you miss away you're not going to get hurt sure you're going to fall behind maybe you know but but the pitch is off the plate and and if you can when you have good stuff you can probably get some swings and misses on those pitches that are missed out you know or same thing if you set up inside and you and and the pitch ends up inside you can be okay but it's when you do the opposite which is what we saw today on that swing um, from Jeremy Pena where target was away and the pitch was not away but in or over the heart of the plate and such that I mean that's a good swing you got to give that guy that young rookie shortstop credit for that for getting around on 97 but you know it was down in the zone but it was definitely right down the middle where you know there that's not some that's not uncommon unfortunately for Romano so there is that opportunity to sort of hone in that command and 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 a if you're not going to hit your target if if he's not You know, which is not not fair. He's not uh, you know this uh, immaculate command pitcher. He's he's a power pitcher. He's a he's a closer. He throws 100 miles an hour, but it's though that kind of wildness in the strike zone, that missing on the wrong side, that he was has been able to dodge a few bullets um, in previous games. If you kind of go back and watch them, like oh, there's a kind of a loud out, or that was hit hard, but it was hit right at Matt Chapman, or that was hit hard and it hit right at Vlad. Um, This was one that you didn't get away with. Uh, which is, um, that's how the game goes, but there is that opportunity for him to kind of really dial in that command a little bit more, I think. And then we can see him kind of re- return as the stuff has come back, uh, as the stuff looks good, the velocity is sort of not as much of a, of a, of a worry point it, You you just hope that they can get him some, get him some rest if that's what he needs. Right. You know, he, he like, like a lot of pitchers, he's never going to say, I need a break. I need a break. You know, I, you've used me too much. Um, and if the Blue Jays can maybe score some more runs, they don't have to put that kind of pressure on them, you know. But the, mm-hmm. you know, the other, as you mentioned, and, and, and everyone can see that there's been so much um, good performance from the bullpen that if they need to move things around, they can turn to Adam Simber throwing 85 miles an hour or 83 miles an hour to be the closer. You can you know, Jimmy Garcia um, pitched so well. You know, Tim Meza, uh, you know, it's kind of at times served as like the real – not the real closer, but – you know, Adam Simber was able to go in to get the save because he was facing the bottom of the order, as opposed where yeah. where where I believe it was Mays kind of mowed down the the, the big bats. Uh, so that's what it takes, right? And that's what it takes, and 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 that's where the Blue Jays are well positioned. Um, And they have are also lucky because they do have Jordan Romano who is so good. And and I, I, we don't want to overemphasize or, or overanalyze, you know, one missed pitch, which is what that was today. But when it has become a little bit of a trend, something to continue to watch where, where is he missing? And, and if he, or is he, is he missing? And then where is he missing? And hopefully that's something that, that they can work on and he can kind of rein that command in and and continue to be, you know, one of the best closers in the league.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, And I think I had something to say about Tim Meza. Mm. Just um, how efficient he's been. I don't know how many pitches he threw today. Uh, I think he gave up one hit. But he's just like – I mean, I think he had like an outing. It was like 14 pitches the other day. And that mm-hmm. was like the longest outing that he had had. Like he – like I think before today he had thrown five and two two third innings or something like that and only 68 pitches. So he's been really efficient, um, which is nice. And – um, Yeah, he's uh, and you're right. Like they, they, and it's interesting. Like on Saturday, you're right. They used Simber because of the way that the order was coming up. But had things been different, you would have seen Simber get the eighth and Garcia get the ninth. It was just that Garcia was facing the top of the order. I think, Mm -hmm. and then they put Simber. Tim Mesa. What is this face you're making?
1: He's fucking nasty. His his weighted on base allowed this year, 172. His expected weighted on base, which is inevitably higher, 193. That's like he's turned everyone into a pitcher. Filth. His expected ERA, 127. His actual ERA, 159. I know. His
2: expected is lower than his actual ERA. It
1: doesn't happen very often. Filth. 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 his sinker is like a goddamn diamond drip uh, diamond tipped drill just destroying people destroying bats average la- launch angle against his against his sinker this year minus five degrees <laughs> shout out to tim Mesa. what a story what, it's like,
2: uh, i can't i can't write like i wish that i could like
1: just write it over and over every other <laughs> yes. week it's like here's <laughs> the time for the tim Mesa story again i know and
2: i just like need to go out and be like okay can i just remind everyone about tim Mesa and what he came back from and you know in twenty nineteen and everything and what he's been able to do. It's yeah, it's a great story. Uh
1: the Blue Jays are a great story. Now the great story mm-hmm. of the Blue Jays uh, heads into a 10 game homestand. Yeah. Uh they have great
2: that's a great story for me because
1: In your own bed. <laughs>
2: Kate yeah, I have been on the road a lot. Um and it'll be nice to actually be at home and just like have my things, you know, like you pack and stuff, but then there's nothing like just being at your own apartment and just having all your stuff. I just miss my stuff sometimes when I'm on the road because it's like you pack some stuff and you're like, I don't really feel like wearing this, but I have no other choice because it's all I brought. I get that. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the Blue Jays host the dreaded dreaded Red Sox, who are maybe dog shit?
2: Did Might be too win? early to say. Did they win today? Do you know? I know they lost yesterday in dramatic fashion.
1: They did not win today, I don't believe.
2: They were they, playing the Rays, so.
1: Which, it's just, you know, you wish that everybody could lose when that happens. No, the, the Rays won 5-2 to two today.
2: Okay, interesting. Uh, here on
1: Sunday against the Boston Red Sox, who are not scoring a lot of runs,
2: mm-hmm.
1: who have, uh, uh, obviously, there's the big story, or the, one of the big stories was who is going to be there in, in Toronto and who is not. Uh, It'll be interesting to keep your eye on the old uh, transaction ticker over the next few uh, days and hours. By the time you'll hear this, those transactions may have um, already gone down. But, uh, you know, the the Red Sox are just uh, sort of still finding their way. Uh, they will inevitably piss people off. That's what the Red Sox do. So when they look at that, like they're done and cooked, they will come back and win two out of three or win three out of four or whatever it might be. And the Yankees are, you know, I, the Yankee schedule has not been as challenging as the Blue Jays schedule. I don't think that's unfair to say. The Yankees the Yankees were involved in an ugly incident on the weekend as well against Cleveland, the Guardians, as they're now known, where after the Yankees uh, walked off Cleveland, the fans in right field started, or left field, right field started throwing stuff at Miles Straw and Orlando Mer, uh, said that's not his name, uh, but just God. These are, of course, big games, right? And and I we, I I heard you on the radio, by the way, Caitlin, on the weekend. But I was on the radio the other day, and and uh, and George was it George Russick? It was who said something to the effect of, "You can't win the American League East in April, but you can certainly lose it." So. Continuing to 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 take two out of three to win these series against these these AL East teams, tough or dog shit, as they may be, uh, really important. And I think that again, the Blue Jays have so much going for them right now that you have to feel good as a Blue Jays fan or someone who is within the club uh, about your chances going up against both Boston and New York,
2: and Houston in between,
1: and Houston in between. God, these cursed uh, Astros!
2: <laughs> this, this weird schedule where they just this, play the same two teams. <laughs> Back-to-back, which is interesting because, like, you're going to see the same pictures. I think the Blue Jays will avoid Justin Verlander when they come back because I believe the Astros are moving to a six-man rotation for this stretch of play. Um, Mm. Colleague Jake Kaplan wrote something about that today, so you can read it. But um, So I think the Blue Jays don't get Justin Verlander again, but, like, Kikuchi will go up against uh, the Astros again, so he'll have a quick – quick turnaround to sort of redeem himself against a team that he's seen a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. obviously playing in the, uh, AL West previously. And also this is like, I mean, they play in the AL East. So like, it's hard to find, um, you're going to play the Yankees and the Red Sox a lot, but, Kikuchi has not had a soft landing into the American League East Absolutely with the Blue Jays. Not. It's it's Yankees, Red Sox, Astros. It's gonna be Astros again. Like that's um, we need to our, the team needs to get him a start. Um, I don't know if he'll make us. I think he'll miss. I don't know. I have to look it up. I don't know if he'll miss that Cleveland or if he'll get a game in Cleveland when they play. They visit Cleveland after the home stand, but it would be certainly nice. Although Cleveland's actually their offense is off to a really good start, so I don't even know that that would be a soft landing for him.
1: They're scoring. They were scoring all kinds of runs. Uh, Jose Ramirez off to an amazing series. Boy, would he look good in uh, Blue Jays blue. Uh, also, the Cleveland because they do play in the AL Central. Currently, they uh, have a losing record and yet are in second place, which is you know how she goes sometimes. And all of this, all of this complaining about the American League East and the Blue Jays haven't even played the Rays yet, which is just a recipe for heartbreak. Caitlin, what have you got going? You got a day off this week, don't you? Are they going to give you a break?
2: Well, I'm traveling tomorrow, so it'll be difficult to make the game. I did do the double double duty the last time when I traveled, but that was only coming from New York, so it's like an hour flight. Mm-hmm. You get in pretty early to Toronto, it's kind of easier to make the uh, game at night. Um, but the Houston to Toronto is a little bit further of a trip, so it'll be difficult to make it. So I might not be there Monday. It's my birthday Tuesday, so... I will be there on my birthday, but wow,
1: Caitlin! Happy birthday in advance. It was, we won't speak to you until then. So happy birthday! Thank you. I hope you mark it with a two-hour complete game, not a shutout, not a no-hitter, maybe no, not even a complete game. A uh, two, just a very orderly and organized and normal uh, uh, complete a game that is, and ends mercifully early. Actually, and
2: that's not entirely impossible because Kevin Gosman is making that start, and he's been pretty efficient um, and smooth sailing so far for the Blue Jays. And he's playing the Red Sox again, and he pretty much dominated them. So,
1: and he did. And the Blue Jay and the Red Sox will send Nick Pavetta against him in that game. A guy who had a difficult time against the Blue Jays lineup. Uh, you know, I, still still so much to uh, be excited about. Still so much to look forward to. Uh, Caitlin will have some great coverage of the series coming up. And I will be back talking with Ricky Romero as we do later on this week. If you want to read what caitlin has got to say, you want to read the story that Jay Kaplan wrote about the the Astros extending their uh, their rotation. If you want to read about how bad things are going to get in Boston. If you want to read about what the Yankees are going to do with Joey Gallo, maybe they're going to trade him with the Blue Jays. Maybe that's just me. You can you can just listen to this podcast if you want to hear about the Blue Jays trying to trade for Joey Gallo, but uh, you can read what Lindsay writes. So make sure you go to the spin rate, wait, the athletic.com slash spin rate. Um, but until that time, we will say thank you, Caitlin, for taking the time out of your beautiful uh, hotel room in beautiful downtown Houston to join us. And uh, everyone else, thank you so much for listening. We're having a great time so far in 2022. Hope you're enjoying your first place Blue Jays as they. Not even tread water, tread water aggressively as they look to hit their stride coming into the month of May. Her name is Caitlin. My name is Drew. We will talk to you next time.